Content warning. This audio contains mention of sexual assault. Welcome to Hidden Cases, an audio series highlighting sexual misconduct and sexual assault by law enforcement through first-hand accounts of their victims. If you haven't listened to the introduction trailer, please go back and listen to it now before continuing on to episode one. Hidden Cases Introduction Protest Community Subject 1A On June 24, 2021, the popular LA Korean spa We Spa went viral after they defended an alleged trans client when at least two women from the spa yelled transphobic rhetoric at the We Spa staff. There are a series of videos of the event with thousands of views on the Instagram account at Cubana Angel. Right-wing groups plan to protest the spa advertising it as the We Spa anti-pedo protest on flyers. Counter-protesters advocating for trans rights planned their own protest with Smash Transphobia, Smash Fascism on their flyers. July 3rd was the first day of protesting. July 17th was the second protest with the same groups. Subject 1A was counter-protesting for trans rights on July 17th. The following is my interview with Subject 1A. This includes descriptions of alleged police violence and sexual assault. Their voice has been altered to conceal their identity. We, you know, we had seen all of the footage and things from the first protest that happened at Weespa, and we weren't able to attend that first time. But after seeing just how unhinged the white supremacist side of things were that day we knew you know, we needed to go and i was too scared to honestly until yeah. that morning i said that i wasn't going my wife was gonna go by herself i something in my gut that morning just said like no the, you know your your body is needed there i need right. to hold, hold space for it you know i'm a queer person so my it felt like you know like my community is specifically under attack i need to be there no matter how scared i was more of the the white supremacists that were protesting more than the the police honestly going into it i know that they more or less in situations where it's protest counter protest the cops have kind of a history of just standing aside and letting it happen you know i figured worst case scenario it was going to be like if it gets violent it's gonna just be the crazies and yeah that morning just felt like you know and yeah i do i need to go and yeah i went into it very scared we you know we saw that the when we got there we saw that the four corners around we saw were were all occupied and three of them were us and right in front of the spa was just the police so you know it felt like okay maybe we're gonna we're gonna have a w today you know, we're going to hold space, we're going to talk about trans rights, we're going to stand out here with our trans flags and let the spa know that we support them. And that's, that's it. Eventually, you know, we were standing around for, for like an hour, I think, before the call came out that like they were coming down the street towards us. And when we saw the white supremacists marching down the street towards us, we decided to stay back at the intersection and not a lot of people did. There was only like a handful of us and there were not enough to hold all three corners anymore. Everybody just sort of abandoned the spa to move up a block 
including all of the police, they left the spa as well to right. go up and be in between, you know, two sides, a block up from the spa. And uh, we decided to stay back because we had like stockpiled water and snacks and things that people were, it was really hot that day. I remember it being scorching, like painfully hot. It, it was, was like, like noon, was, right? Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was, it was noon. Like this all happened between like noon and one. And it was really, really hot out. And everybody was just dripping in sweat. People were lining up down an extra street because it was the only one with shade. Mm -hmm. The sun was like right over us. Absolutely. And we decided to stay back at the intersection because, you know, what if they decide to, you know, cut over from a block up and then they take the spot? Then that's, you know, we don't want that to happen. So we decided to stay back and just, you know, from off in the distance could see like the tear gas canisters going off and we could hear the, the, the pops and stuff and see the... Um, remember seeing the smoke grenades mm -hmm. going off and the thinking, color like, what, the yeah, color grenades, the colored right? smoke i remember seeing like a giant puff of orange smoke and yeah. thinking, oh here it goes um, i remember that moment too yeah and yeah the slowly but surely more people started to fall back to the spa and come back to the intersection and then we were in front of the actual spa we had taken that intersection it had been completely abandoned and we said, well, if we can only hold one corner, we might as well hold the most important one. We moved over all of the water and snacks and things into the shade. And yeah, we kind of thought like, okay, great. Our people are starting to come back and we're going we're gonna to stand in front of the spa until they clear out. Like I remember thinking like, this is it. We, we got the W today. Right. We, this is going to be a successful afternoon. And then our people started coming back to the spa and eventually the cops started moving in back towards the spa and kept getting closer and kept getting closer and there were more and more of them piling in from the side streets and they crossed the street over to the spa people started spreading out and taking up that whole street because you know line of cops and encroaching on us in front of the spot so people started spreading out towards the park on the other side and then a whole like dozen or so extra cops showed up in front of the gate to the park and they started shutting the gate to the park it felt like something went off in in everybody's heads like everybody immediately got the message mm -hmm. of like this is this is no longer them standing in the middle of us and them they were no I, we couldn't even see you know, the, the, the counter protest group anymore, but the cops were still getting closer and closer and they all, you know, every other one of them has the beanbag gun out or the rubber bullet gun out. And there was a moment where I saw a female comrade who was right up against the line of police. I mean, you know, like they were, she was at the, like the fringes of the, the group in front of the spot. And when they got up close to her, she's like very, very petite person, but she was like right up in their face and yelling at them about everything that they saw happen and didn't do anything about, like just yelling at this officer. And he, with both hands full force, like shoved her, like through her chest, and she ended up falling back a few feet. 
and getting caught by other comrades because now everybody's squished on top of each other. People started, you know, backing up and backing up, and there was a tree that was sort of blo- that planted in front of the spot blocking, blocking us from the police. And I remember people getting like their hair stuck in the tree and everything because people were backing up and not even looking where they were going, and people were just getting caught in this this tree. And through the branches of the tree, seeing them, another girl stepped into that one's place to yell at them for like, how dare you push her like that? Mm -hmm. And they shot her like point blank in the stomach with, with a rubber bullet. And then I saw her like, kind of like, like bend over really suddenly in half and ran up the street and that sort of, I don't know, that it was another big moment in everybody sort of realizing what was going on. Like I heard a lot of people referencing the tunnel, the infamous night in the tunnel. Like they were just firing, they just started firing the beanbags like like paintballs, like it was nothing. Right. They were going everywhere. They were whizzing past people's heads. They were Everywhere but the ground where they're supposed to cut the rubber blade. Fucking everywhere. There was a construction zone right behind Lee Spa, like down the street. And there were a bunch of construction workers out and they had those little uh, little concrete guardrails set up, like the temporary ones set up between the construction zone and the street because they had dug a, like a trench and... I remember as we were running down the street, some uh, some people asking the construction workers, like, you see that they're shooting at us, right? Can we, like, basically, can we run through here? Because it was either run through this construction zone or run down the street with no cover and cops on the other side of us just firing the rubber bullets like crazy. And a couple of the construction workers just kind of, like, nodded their heads, like, yeah, do what you got to do. Um, and people started ducking behind the concrete and like uh like duck walking their way down the street so we were low and and crouched down uh comrade was right in front of me moving down the you know down the concrete and at one point we kind of stood up to start running to see if we could uh like get get away any faster and as soon as he got up he got hit with a rubber bullet in the shoulder right in front of me and i sort of grabbed him and held him down behind one of the barricades again. We were both sitting on the ground there. I, you know, am looking at his shoulder and seeing that he was already like bleeding from it. I looked up over the barricade to see, you know, where, if, if the cops were still, were still there. And there were four with their guns aimed at my head. Wait, like all lined up right in front of the fence to the park four of them the, just pointed right at my head. Like they were waiting for me to have enough exposed that they could shoot at. And uh, I ducked back down and two people with medic gear were standing in front of the barricade, like between me and the cops. And they each took a rubber bullet in the backpack. Like they have those big packs with all of their medical gear. And they each got hit in the back with a rubber bullet. And one of them said to me, it's going to take them a second to reload. You have time. Run. 
And I looked up, and sure enough, all four of them were, sta- were standing there reloading the guns because they only fire like one at a time. And while they were reloading, I ran down the street and across towards the gate to the park. But the cops closed the gate to the park. <laughs> um, and I remember there being a family, uh, like an older, an older man with two little kids. They each had an ice cream cone. And he was talking to the cop about, like, I'm just trying to take my family into the park. What's going on? I just want to take my kids into the park. And one cop drew out his baton and raised it at the guy. And another cop aimed a beanbag gun at the guy and told him to get the fuck out of there. They just kept saying, get the fuck out of here, get the fuck out of here. And the guy like grabbed each of his kids and, and, and turned around and ran down the street. His kids Can I ask what race he was? He was Latino, definitely. And an older, older Latino man, he had like a gray, uh, gray beard, gray eyebrows, and he had like a baseball cap on. And yeah, he had to grab each of his kids like under an armpit each and sort of clutch them to his chest as he ran down the street. Like that. Like, they, it's terrifying. Like, they, yeah, like, I couldn't believe I saw them like right, like he, the one cop literally had his baton over his head facing this guy who just had two little kids with ice cream like it looked like a looked like a scene out of like a war movie didn't look real right another comrade was standing right up against the fence as the cops were moving down the street and they made their hands like they laced their fingers together into like a basket and said um i'll give you a boost so i could get over the fence and into the park i got my hands up on the top rail of the fence and I stepped into their hands, my right foot, and I was able to swing myself up and I was over the fence. Like my left leg was over, my right leg was still in their hand as mm-hmm. they were pushing me up. I looked down and a cop hit them with a baton, like in the gut. So they doubled over and dropped me. A cop grabbed my right ankle and uh tried to pull me off of the fence and like back into the street and they the way that they pulled my ankle down i landed like on my pubic bone on the top of the fence like i hit the top of the fence with so much force that i bounced out of the cop's hand like i bounced out of his grip and over the fence into the park. Oh my God. I landed. I remember sort of rolling down a hill for a second. <laughs> and I, I got up and I just started running through the, through the park. I saw some other people, you know, that I recognized from the, the protest that had been, you know, with us. The pink bandanas were like the dead giveaway. <laughs> and I started following them and we were, we had sort of stopped for a second to take, like, catch our breath, figure out what we were going to do. Like, okay, we're in the park now. What are we going to do? And a couple of kids on skateboards, they're probably like 17, 18 years old, skated up to us in the middle of the park and stopped and looked at us and said, um, they've closed all of the gates in and out of the park and they're starting to come in and 
they're looking for people and we think they're looking for y'all. So you should probably get out. And that was it. And they were on their skateboards and they disappeared. (laughs) We started running back towards, uh, so this would be the opposite corner of Lafayette Park from Weespot. And we're all the way, yeah, catty corner across the park. And there was a person living in a tent in that corner of the park from like within, they're inside the fence. We were, you know, sort of running up the hill towards him and thinking like, okay, we're going to have to jump the fence and get outside of the park and start running down that street to get out of here. He came out and he said, oh, did, oh shit, do you guys need to get over? I heard that he had heard all of the, the guns popping off. He had a bunch of milk crates outside of his tent and he stacked them into stairs so we could climb over the fence. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful little moment of solidarity. It was really cool. And he was, yeah, he was like cheering us on kind of when, uh, you know, we got to the other side of the fence. We looked, you know, to our left at that point and there were more comrades coming up the street towards us, but there were police all behind them and marching up closer and pushing them towards us. So we looked to the right, uh, up the street, and this would be like, you know, sixth would have been the next cross street. There were cops on the corner already. And there were more sort of like popping up over the top of the hill. Like it felt like that scene in Mulan where like all of the Huns just appear <laughs> over the crest of the mountain and like seeing their helmets pop up one by one on the hill. And we all sort of looked at each other like, this is it, we're fucked. Because now they're on both sides of us. We know that into the park isn't an option and the only thing in front of us is an apartment building. That's all locked off. So yeah, I think we all had like a collective we're screwed moment. I got over to the sidewalk and was just trying to like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, there's only a handful of them up there already. I'm gonna walk up the sidewalk and I'm just gonna tell them, you know, I'm going away from the scene. I'm, I'm trying to leave. You know, that's all I've been doing is running the fuck away from them all this time. I'm trying to leave, you know, and um, I never got the chance. They moved up behind us so fast that we were squeezed like off of the sidewalk into a single line across the street. So it was a full line of cops, a full line across the street of us and another full line of cops in front of us until, yeah, we were just pressed up against each other like sardines. They started to push in from the sidewalks all with the guns drawn. I've never seen like every, I feel like every single one of them had like a, usually it's like every fourth one or every third one. It was like all of them mm-hmm. on the front line. Had a they started to push in from the sides and tell us to get into the street. And you know, people are starting to yell back at them. Like the, the line behind us was telling us to get on the sidewalk. The line in front of us is telling us to get into the street. You know, what do you want? We just want to leave. And that was being, you know, you sort of yelled randomly. And once they got us into like, a huddle in the middle of the street. This is the first time that I heard a cop address us. I had heard the cops, te- you know, tell that man to get his family the fuck out of there. And the only other thing I ever heard them say was now the guy gets on the bullhorn. 
and says, you're all about to be arrested. Explained that it was failure to disperse. I remember a bunch of people yelling out, like, disperse what? We never heard anything declared. We started dispersing because they started shooting at us. They told us that one by one, they were asking us to volunteer. They were going to arrest us one by one. And just when we say next, the next person, step up here, turn your back to us and put your hands behind your back. That slowly started happening. People were going up one by one. How many people would you say uh, were there? There were like 40, 40 of us, I think, like inside the, the circle, maybe like 30, 35. And there were still people from NLG or there were still two I think two legal observers, like with the neon yellow hats on inside the kettle with us. And they had notepads and they're taking down everybody's information. Next thing I know, like I looked around the circle again and they were gone. So I was happy to see like, yeah, they they did, they got everybody's information out of the kettle and then they got themselves out so that, you know, jail support and stuff could be coordinated. But I remember, you know, as people started to get arrested, we all started chanting the Asada Shabor quote together, like we do at all of our own vigils and things. And uh, fists up sort of that collective moment of solidarity of, okay, we're going to do this, but we're going to do it together. <laughs> I That was the other thing. When they announced that, okay, we want you to step forward one by one, turn your back, and we're going to detain you one by one. And he said, anybody who doesn't want to comply, there's going to come a certain point where we've detained everyone who wants to comply. And those of you who don't will still be subject to arrest, but it may get violent. And I don't know who it was, but I remember somebody in the crowd going, it already got violent, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And I was at this point, I'm having a full blown panic attack. I get I haven't had one in a while, but... I'm having a panic attack. Like my heart is racing. I'm, I'm in, you know, it's a hundred fucking degrees out and I'm cold sweating. I'm texting my wife, like who's, who made it out. Thank God. She was running in front of me when uh, I was in the, the construction zone and got out. She was able to get across the street and down one extra block from me, which was a, the difference between, you know, being detained and not, but she had made it up around the back and she was on the other side of the police line. I remember seeing her talking to all of these cops, going down the line and talking to all of them. Eye eye contact, like my wife is in there. Can I like, like we were trying to disperse. She just wants to leave. She was literally, I was like three feet away from her. It was just me, a cop and her. It's the only space away when we were on the sidewalk and trying to go up the street, like, and, there was no response from from any of them. They wouldn't even they wouldn't even look her in the eye, let alone say anything back. And it was everything down the line from like, can she just leave? I'm just get, we're just gonna get out of here. To can I take her stuff from her? My, and then my car keys are with her. Can I get my car? And she said that the only thing a cop ever said to her was that must suck. <laughs> So you weren't able to get any of the belongings out? No, I, no. Car keys, apartment keys, like I I had it all on me. So she was left there with, you know, nothing. She had her phone, thank God. But, you know, I, I, I texted her, okay, I'm turning my phone off. <laughs> 
And she said, okay, great. I'll see you at jail support. <laughs> but I, the last thing that she said to me before that was, you're having a panic attack. It's okay. Take your Ativan. And I have like a little emergency keychain of it. I keep one of those in there and then a bunch of Excedrin because I get migraines. But I keep them in this little keychain on the car keys. And I went to take my, my Ativan and I was shaking so bad that the Excedrin went spilling all over the street. And I remember a bunch of people like crowding around me and making like a human shield <laughs> and stomping on the Excedrin. And I was like, guys, it's just Excedrin. And they were like, a bunch of cops just saw a bunch of pills fall out of your hand. Just. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, I remember somebody going, oh shit, does anybody have a headache? I want to take care of that before. <laughs> but I, 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 thankfully the one little, you know, like thing for my, my panic attacks, I caught and managed to take it when I, you know, a couple of my friends that I, I really trust and like I'm really close to said, okay, we are, we're going to volunteer next. Okay. So to make sure that, you know, we, we hope we can like stay close to each other. How about we do this? I'm going to volunteer. And it was one of my male friends. Like, I'm going to volunteer. Then you go and then he'll volunteer next. So hopefully we can all stay together because they were just trying to you know keep me calm. And, you know, I, I, I said, okay, one of them volunteered. And then I went next and walked up to the, the police officers and, you know, stood where they said, turned around put my hands behind my back uh, to male officers, you know, put the zip tie, the zip cuffs on me. And I remember thinking, oh, well, they didn't put them on that tight. <laughs> so I think they're just going to cite us here and, and let us go, hopefully. But then all these white vans were pulling up. <laughs> they asked me while they were walking me back towards the cop cars and the vans. They said, you know, you, we need to do a pat down. We need to do a physical search. You can either have one of us do it, or if you'd prefer, we can have a female officer do it. And I immediately said, you know, I'd prefer a female. And they said, okay, well, we're kind of shorthanded right now. They only, I think they only had like two female officers there at the time. So they had all of the people who had elected for a female officer lined up behind one of the vans. So we were in between one of the transport vans and somebody's, I remember it was a Prius parked in front of the apartment building. So we were pretty far away from anybody, uh, anybody who could, who could see us. And I remember thinking, like, this is kind of fishy. I feel like they're, like, hiding us. This is weird. And a uh, female officer came up to me. She immediately started reaching into my pockets, like, before she even said anything to me. She started reaching into my pockets. And she just started, like, rambling through this really fast explanation of what she was doing, like, she... Just, okay, I needed to conduct a physical search. I'm going to pat you down. Is there anything that you have in any, anywhere on your body that could poke me or hurt me? Like, but I mean, like three times that fast. <laughs> she and, wearing gloves? Uh, no. No, she wasn't wearing gloves. 
she, uh, yeah, like I said, she'd already been reaching into my pockets and she asked me, what all do you have on you right now? And I said, well, the, the backpack is just full of first aid. It's, it's just first aid supplies. The pocket on my right side has my phone. My car keys are clipped onto my belt loop and I have my wallet in my left pocket. And she pulled my wallet out of my pocket. She pulled out my driver's license. I told her, I like turned my head to look at her to let her know that the address on my driver's license isn't up to date. And when I turned my head and I started telling her that, she cut me off and said, look back at the van, don't look at me. So I'm looking into the tinted glass on the, the transport van and I can see that there's people already inside of it, but I can't make out any faces because the, the windows are really flat. But I'm just kind of staring into the, the window and I still have my mask on, a hat on, my sunglasses on. And we're standing where the sun is just beating down directly on us and we're stuck between two cars. And the sweat was just like pouring. I remember my mask feeling like soaked and stuck to my face. And she was writing down all of the info for my driver's license and then... Like I said, I told her, like, that address isn't right. She yelled at me, look, just look back at the van, don't look at me. What is your real address? Took that down. And then she, uh, she closed up my wallet. She put it into an evidence bag, like a clear evidence bag. And then she took my backpack off of my body. She walked away with them like around to the other side of the van. And when she came back, she told me, okay, I need you to turn around and face the Prius and just look at the car. And um, I did what she said. It turned around. I was, I remember standing over the Prius because, you know, taller than the car now. She put her foot in between mine from behind and kicked my legs apart. So I was standing um, with my feet spread. She uh, she said, no, you need to stand wider than that. And I sort of like inched my feet out a little bit at a time. She, uh, again, I, she out of my periphery, I could see, she, you know, she wasn't wearing gloves. And she um, she went back down like the outside of my legs. And again, she has her, like, with her palms, she was going down. I had, like, cargo shorts on. And she reached in to the phone, the pocket where my phone was, felt that it was just a phone, and left it in my pocket. And then felt my, you know, my car keys and left them there, like, clipped onto my belt. And then... Just like that, all of a sudden, her hand, like her right hand from behind, was up in between my legs. And she, with an, like an open palm, she pressed her hand up into my shorts. And she, I could feel her, like through my shorts, she used her fingers to push my underwear to the side and then was using her fingers to like 
push my shorts, like the material of my shorts up inside of me and was like pushing my pants around inside my vagina with her fingers. And that was the, like the moment where I remembered landing on top of the fence because it hurt like hell. Like I was, I was already sweating bullets because of the heat and the panic attack. And I saw stars and I started to like tilt forward. And at one point I remember like my chest was pressed like on the window of this Prius and I'm leaning over the top of it. And my head was just spinning and I was seeing stars like going around my head. Like it hurt. That was the, like, I, I just remember it hurt so fucking bad. But then sort of like coming to with this realization of like my underwear and my pants are stuck inside of me right now. And her hand is now like up in my butt crack and then up around my, my, my bra and stuff. Like, but my pants are still stuck there. Oh my God. Like I had this like physical reminder of what had just happened. (laughs) And she like hit me on the, like she like slapped my thigh to tell like that was her way of telling me that I could like close my legs again and stand up straight. She clicked the zip tie cuffs on me like two clicks tighter on each side to the point where it it hurt and I realized that like I, I couldn't I couldn't feel my thumbs at all. Um and she grabbed me uh she like grabbed me by the elbow and led me back around the the back of the van and she sort of like she pointed to my backpack on the ground and the bag with my wallet in it and said that's your stuff right i said yeah she said okay just to verify it's going in this van with you go ahead and i climbed up in the van and i i sat down next to who it was that had been you know like i'd been facing them through the window you know, um, and I sat down next to her. And the first thing that she said to me was, if your wife saw the way that that pig touched you just now, she'd be laid out on concrete. And I said, oh, I didn't imagine that. <laughs> she said, no, I was watched, I, I watched it the whole time. She was like, oh my God, are you okay? And then the next girl who was put in the van, the first thing that she said was, um, am I special or did they finger everybody in here? And she kind of said it as a joke, but then two other people in the row behind me said, yeah, they did that to me too. I, I thought they were, and somebody said, I thought they were only supposed to use the back of their hand. I thought that was a part of it. And then uh another person laughing and saying yeah that's what they're supposed to do but that wouldn't be any fun for them (laughs) i was uh you know and then we're all sitting in these like bucket seats in the back of the van they didn't have the ac on and we were all like closed up in there 
people were asking the officer in the driver's seat, like, the van is running. Can you at least turn the air conditioning on? And he just kept saying, it is on. It wasn't on the back. There were like little vents in the ceiling and everything. None of those were on. Somebody is like yelling at him. They're different. It's a different knob. I'm looking at the knob right now. I can tell you how to turn on the AC. Come on, dude. We're dying back here. It wasn't until, you know, the van was full and a second cop got in at shotgun and he had a rubber bullet gun. He still was holding it, but he sat in the passenger seat sideways. So he was like actually facing the driver with the gun, the barrel of the gun pointed towards the back seat. And with a big like smile on his face, he turned on the air conditioning in the back and we're like blasting. He's still holding the, like still in the van, we're all zip tied. And he was still holding the rubber bullet gun, like at the ready. And he sat that way the whole drive to Rampart. He sat that way the whole drive to the station. And when we got into the, the parking garage, we could see that they had like a line of chairs set up and a bunch of plastic tables. And they were unloading us one by one. And when we got out of the van, we all started walking towards the chairs a few of the cops from the station came up to us and said, no, 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 before you sit down, we need to give you a, we need to do a, a body search. And I remember the two of the, the two guys that had volunteered like on either side of me were already sitting down and they're like, you already searched them. You, you, you did it back before they even got in the vans. What do you mean? And they said, no, we, you know, we, we need to pat you down again in case there was any contraband in the van. So they have all of the girls from the van lined up again, like facing the, the concrete wall in the parking garage and different female officer comes up behind me and, you know, I spread my feet apart, but barely. And, um, she, immediately started talking to me about her family. She started saying, I'm just doing this for my safety. I don't want to be doing it to you any more than you want me to be doing it to you. I'm just trying to put in my time and get home to my babies. I have two kids at home and all the while she's patting me down. <laughs> she was running her hand. I remember she was running her hand like up my torso under my shirt when she said that she had, you know, I'm just trying to get home to my babies. I have two kids at home and she's running her hand up my torso underneath my shirt. And I said, I'm just trying to get home to my wife. So be gentle. And she grabbed my left breast. Like she was trying to yank it off. Like she under my shirt, over my sports bra, just grabbed a hold of it and like, pulled it oh like pulled it away from my skin and was like squeezing it for a really long time and i remember thinking like what the hell kind of weapon do you think i'm trying to smuggle in inside my boot really this is not right what the i remember thinking what the fuck is happening and she 
she laughed in, in my ear. Like she was right behind me. Her face was like right over my shoulder. I said, I, I'm just trying to get home to my wife. So be gentle. She did that. And she laughed in my ear and then physically like put her hand on my waist to turn me around and say, you can sit down now. Like, and then she was the, she, it was the same officer who then like, she was standing in front of the table where they were like going through all of our belongings. She was standing there right in front of me, staring at me the, the whole time, the whole time we were in there. She was just standing there staring at me. Um, once uh, the next, the next van came in, and people were, people on the inside were like banging on the windows. And at first we were kind of, we were all like cheering. Like we kind of thought that it was like a, like a fuck the police thing that they were like banging on the windows somehow inside the, the van. And then when the door, when they opened the back door, the two people that came like spilling out of the van, one of them was actively having a seizure. Um, and another was like cradling their head in their lap, like trying to use, cause you know, we're all still zip tied. She's trying to use her knees to like turn her friend on her side and hold her head back, like doing all of that just with her knees, like sitting Indian style. Like I'm just like cradling her head and trying to do everything that she can to like hold her. And we're all, you know, we're sitting in the chairs and screaming at them to do something. And I'm looking at this, you know, the, this cop that tried to rip my tit off of me, I'm just like staring at her, like, do something. Aren't you guys, aren't you guys trained for things like this? You're supposed to be a first responder. You, you don't, you don't know what to do when someone's having a seizure. Like she doesn't have hands right now. She could choke on her own tongue, get like, get someone over there, help her. And it was a, just a chorus of all of us yelling at them, do something, do something. The only thing that any of the officers did was one of them grabbed a bottle of water and was trying to pour it into their mouth while they were having a seizure, which is like the number one thing that at least if you don't know what to do, you know not to give someone anything while they're having a seizure because they could die. They could choke to death. And they're splashing this bottle of water in the, into their face. Like, and then there are more people screaming at them, dear God, no, it's an, oh my God. And the paramedics pulled in. Apparently it had been 20 minutes since they had actually called. Like they called while they were, I, I think they called while she was being transported, while they were being transported. But hospital was only three minutes away. They managed to, uh, I know one person that was detained was saying, you know, I'm, I'm medically trained. I can help cut the zip ties off of me. I can help. I know what to do. I can help them. They were, you know, she was standing up and they said, no, 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 sit down, sit down, sit down. And eventually they got up and they started walking towards the seizing person. Like even with their hand ba hands bound, they were bound, like they were going to do something. They were going to try to help. And instead five cops ran up to her and did like a full four point restraint on them. Even though she's already handcuffed, 
they each got one in each elbow and one on each leg and carried them away. And we didn't see them for the rest of the time that we were detained. And I don't know what came over me. I just, I looked at, you know, this, this same cop is still standing in the same spot and still staring at me like nothing else is happening. I get, I, no one ever took my sunglasses off of me. So I'm still wearing my rainbow pride mask, my rainbow sunglasses. And I, I looked at her and I remember saying, your grandkids are going to find out what you did for a living and despise you. Look what you just let happen. And that was the first time she broke eye contact with me. She actually looked down at the ground and like shook her head. She walked out of the parking garage. Like she walked back, like back inside and, and disappeared. She didn't come back out again. I didn't see her again. I never, I didn't see her, her name or her, her badge number. I don't remember if she was even wearing one. I was staring at her that, that whole time. I don't remember her even having one. But yeah, she just sort of like disappeared at that point. Eventually they, you know, they called out, they, they numbered all of us so they could keep us and our belongings together. And they called out my number, gave me my stuff. They, started walking me out of the back of the parking garage and said, um, you know, another officer said, no, 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 we're not taking them out this way anymore. They got friends out there because jail support had set up <laughs> outside the back entrance of the parking garage. And he said, okay, fine. I'll take her out the front and turned me around and was walking me back past everybody and up out of the parking garage. Well, there was more jail support people out on that exit. Too. Yeah, then right when I was up against the gate, they, uh, you know, they snipped the, the zip ties off and put my backpack over my shoulder and gave me my, you know, gave me my wallet back. My citation for failure to disperse. The, fir the first person from jail support that I saw said, you're limping, are you okay? Turns out that I threw out my back at some point during the afternoon that day it's you know a week and a half later and my back is still thrown out I'm basically like locked into a muscle spasm that's just gonna have to eventually go away on its own somehow <laughs> I'm still I still have um waiting on x-rays there's no way that the way they searched us was like I was already, uh, I've, I've been sexually assaulted in the past and I, it's been 10 years and I felt like I was really healed from that. I'm not, it's just like, it's not just like two new traumas at once it also brought back everything from the first time like i feel like i'm reliving that all over again too it's like all of it just playing on repeat you know um they the thing i can't the thing i can't get over is like when i was sexually assaulted by a friend 
in college and I told him that what he did was wrong and that it hurt me and that it traumatized me and that it ruined our friendship. He had a conversation with me and he apologized and he, you know, I, I could see him become a different person after that. I could see him grow. I could see him change. And a part of me is always going to think of him as, the, you know, the person that assaulted me, but he didn't get any joy out of what happened. You know, he realized like, oh, I made a terrible mistake and I am sorry. These two women laughed at me and smiled and got joy out of what they did. And I am very upfront about the fact that I am a lesbian. I have a fucking tattoo on, on my It's behind my if you can see me, you can see that. And I had a pride face mask on and rainbow sunglasses. And this is very obviously a protest for trans rights. This is about the queer community and that is who is out here protesting. And then For them to respond to that, this obviously queer person, I'm going to take joy out of molesting them, it makes me sick. Like, I'm, I've never felt more sorry for a person in my life. I don't know what kind of a what kind of a soul you have to be to be in that moment and laugh. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Thank you for telling me. Yeah. Can we take a break? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Hidden Cases. Hidden Cases will be releasing new episodes every Friday. Subscribe on Spotify to never miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, hiddencasespodcast.com. If you have been affected by police sexual misconduct and you'd like to share your story, please email hiddencasesla at gmail.com. If you'd like to join the community, please join us on Instagram and Twitter at hidden underscore cases. Hidden Cases is written and produced by Strawberry Fields. Thanks for listening, and remember, we keep us safe. <laughs>